Amen. I, I didn't think it could be so warm in England. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know that it's always important that we understand is that the gospel, that's what we are called to, to share. Okay? You know that uh, you, you can actually preach the word and not preach the gospel. Do you understand? Uh, no, now, you know, it's funny that that's where you start getting old because uh, now I didn't realize there are two amplified versions of the Bible. And, uh, and that's why I'm the old one because I like the classic amplified, meaning, you know, if you like something classic, that means it's old. And you know that verse that says, where there is no vision, my people get destroyed. And I grew up with that, that people preached that verse in terms of it was like a business plan. You know, you need a plan. Or you, they asked me, what is your vision? And most of the time, I don't know. <laughs> you, know you know, if you ask me what I wanted to do when I was five years old, it's not the same as what I wanted to do when I was 20. Okay, if you ask Noah, he probably wants to be Spider-Man or something like that now. But I'm not sure he wants to be Spider-Man when he's 20, wearing his underwear outside his trousers. Have you noticed that? All superheroes, they wear underwear outside their trousers. But it's not very cool, is it? <laughs> okay, I don't know why that's said. But anyway, but I, I used to get preached. That's how it used to be preached. But in the Amplified uh, Version, Proverbs 29, 18, in the classic version, it says that there, there is no redeeming knowledge of Christ. Okay? Redeeming knowledge of Christ. And, um, and it's so important we understand this, that God, Jesus, he didn't come to point out the problem. He came to point out the solution. Amen? As I said many times, you know, we don't need to be anointed to see what is wrong. That we all can see. Have you noticed that? We can all see what is wrong with society. We can all see what is wrong with a situation. And we can all see what we should have done. Or, or so, and so on and so forth. But where we need the anointing is that we need to find a solution. Not more than we need to explain the reason. Amen? And, and so, so Jesus says you know, in the book of Proverbs, where there is no redeeming knowledge of Christ, my people get destroyed. And it's important that, that when we say Lord, or when we say our Heavenly Father, it's important that we understand that He's a redeeming Father, it's a redeeming Lord, He's a good Lord. Because you can have a Lord who's not good. You can have a Father who can be very strict. Or, you know, in our society today is that most, many, you know, many people, they actually grown up without a father. So their concept of a father can be all sorts of things. That can be someone who is absent. But it's very, very important we understand that when we talk about God in relation to you and me, it's always in the point of that he's redeeming. Amen? You know, but I think that sometimes when you and I, we don't want to pray is because of we are afraid 
offered God is going to say something like, I told you so. Okay? But the thing is that when you and I realize that He is the redeeming God, it doesn't matter how much you messed up, you, you will run to Him instead of running away from Him. But it, like, that's the difference from Judas and Peter. Peter, he cursed Jesus in public. He was so scared of a little girl who said, aren't you one of those? And he said, no. And he, you, know, you know the story. And Judas, he, he sold him, betrayed him. And in, in the eyes of God, I don't think the sin of Judah was bigger than the sin of Peter. Okay? But what was the difference was that when Peter messed up, he ran towards Jesus. Okay? Where Judas, he ran away from Jesus. Do, do you understand? And it's like, it's very important that we have, that, that this is our foundation, that where there is no redeeming knowledge of Christ, my people get destroyed. Okay? So you can know God, but if you don't know God as a redeeming God, there will be things that you don't dare sharing with him because you think God will get shocked. Did you think that? It's like, you tell God, I have to say something. And you not said it for six months, but now finally you come to... It's like you think God got surprised. He knew already. Okay? It's like we're hiding something from God. Like, you know, but it's actually funny. When if I ever get the chance, I'll ask Adam... How do you, in the world do you think you could hide from God? <laughs> he comes down to the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? Adam, he says, so <laughs> It's like if he didn't know where they were. If he didn't know where they were, he, he couldn't be God, could he? Okay, but so, so back to this thing, it's important we understand that we are in the redemption business. Amen? And it, the reason why I have to say so much is because many people, and sincerely, they actually believe, they, they, they don't know to, how to differentiate between the Word and the Gospel. Okay? You know, like, I heard, I've been sitting on the hellfire and brimstone preachers, and, and they say, this is the Word, and they are right, this is the Word. But the question is, is it the Gospel? Because of... If you see that anyone who came to Jesus, they didn't feel worse off. They always left him better off. Amen? And, uh, and he, he was not in the business of condemning people. He was in the business of restoring people. Okay? So, 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 so Proverbs 29, 18, is, so the beginning is, like the late old Roberts, he said, God is a good God. Amen? Amen. You know, it's actually funny. He, people got so angry at the late old Roberts for making that statement. He, he, every sermon he started, he started out saying, God is a good God. And when he said, and the devil is a bad devil. That's simple theology. Okay? But, in, but because of religion, many of these things have been turned around. And we can even say things that is, we thinking is the gospel, but it's actually religion that have brainwashed us. I don't know if you ever heard a phrase like someone passing away and when people say, God took them home. Have you ever heard that in, at a funeral? Or, now, God took them home. You have to understand, God takes no one home. 
Do you understand? Not by killing them. God is not in the killing business. He is in the living business. So, so what happens to people who die? You know, if you're sick, for example, the body attacks the body. No, sorry, the devil attacks the body. You get sick. When you die, you go to Jesus. But it wasn't Jesus who gave you the sickness. Do you, do you understand? God only made one person sick in the whole of world history. And that was Jesus. He laid sickness upon him. Why? So that you and I don't need to be sick. Amen? Amen? So that you and I... But religious... Uh, I, I, I remember there was a guy. He said this thing. Uh, he broke his leg. Not me. It was another guy. <laughs> and he said, Oh, God is teaching me something. Through my broken leg. I said, what, what did he teach you? I don't know, but he's teaching me something. And so he thought that God uses methods like that. Can you imagine if God used sickness to teach people? All you nurses, you, you, every time you go to work, you're in rebellion against God. <laughs> you're trying to heal people, but God is trying to teach them something. You know, if you put it like that, you know, it's obvious that God is not in that business. So it's important we understand that God is good. Amen? And you can come to God with any issue in your life and He will bring a redeeming solution or solution. Amen? You know, like, it's not like, because it, it's not like you come and say you, have, you struggle with this and then God says, oh, that's because you did this, 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 this. You should listen to me and you didn't do this. You know, like, many people think this is why God, you know, this is how God is, but He gives us explanations for why our situation are like this. No, He gives us solutions to get out of it. God is not really bothered about how you got into it. Do you, do you understand? Have you noticed, just because you find out you, how you got into it, that doesn't help anything. You know, what we need is solutions, so we don't need to stay there. And... Uh, and in Luke 4, 18, you know that this is the first sermon Jesus preaches, where he says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Okay, let, let's, let's just read that. Because this Luke 14, 18, and uh, it says here, 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Not the word, the gospel. To the poor. No, now the gospel is the good news. Remember when I went through the full armor of God, that what, what, was, what were we standing on? The shoes of the, the gospel. The good news. This is our foundation. Always know that God always has a solution. Amen? Always got a solution. Nothing that you're facing is for your destruction. No matter how it looks like, it's always for your advancement. Amen? If, you, if this thing was sent into your life, could destroy you and you couldn't handle it, God would never have allowed it to come anywhere near you. Amen? Always have that confidence that whatever you feel, whatever you see, it would never have been allowed to come anywhere near you if that was for your destruction. 
Amen? And, and it's so important because that we, we very often think, oh, I can't handle it. But if we swear, have the confidence in that God has given you the ability, the strength, and the wisdom, and the power, and the anointing to come out victorious. Amen. Amen? And not only come out victorious, come out stronger than you were. Can you remember the story about Daniel's friends when they were thrown into the lion's den? Now, so into a, fire, a, fire, a firing furnace. If you read that closely, you will see that they were all bound by ropes when they were thrown in. But when the king looked into the furnace, what did he see? They were walking around. Amen? Amen. But, and not only that, what did he see? He saw a fourth man. Who was that? Jesus. It was Jesus. And, and so, so, so when they came out of the firing furnace, they were more free than when they got in. Because they walked out, they were thrown in. There was no ropes on them. When we, and what did they do? They kept focus on Jesus. Amen? Do you know that in First Chronicles 21, verse 1, it says that, you know, this is, this is the, the, the time when David get tempted to start counting the army of Israel. I remember that a curse comes upon Israel and that's where David has to, he goes and buy a field where he says that I'm not going to sacrifice something that doesn't cost me anything. But the thing is, the way the devil attacks us is that he distracts us to, in a way to look at ourselves instead of look at Jesus. Amen? As I said to you last Sunday, you can't look at Jesus and at your problem at the same time, unless you got special eyes. <laughs> okay? You get cross-eyed. Okay? We cannot look at Jesus and at our problem at the same time. The way we get defeated is because we look at the problem and we don't look at Jesus. And the reason why we, we, we sometimes forget to look at Jesus is because we forgot He's a good God. So Jesus says here, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news or preach the gospel. Amen? So this means that if you, know, if you, uh, if you want to know what is anointed and what is not anointed is, if you don't get lifted up in terms of the gospel, it's not anointed. Because Jesus was, you know, he's, he, he came to preach the good news. Here he says, the good news to the poor. What is the good news to the poor? It's not like and say, you know, God is teaching you a lesson. Do you understand? That, that's not the good news to the poor. The good news to the poor is you don't need to stay poor. Okay? And that's, that's, that's not just regarding money. That can be emotionally, that can be in your soul, that can be mentally, anywhere. You don't need to stay poor. The, the way I would describe the word poor is where I live below the standard of what God has in mind for me. Amen? And uh, so, so, so you say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken-hearted. Do you know that we're living in a society today that is full of people with broken hearts? 
You know that we're living in a culture where we are surrounded with people who are thinking of self-harm. Okay? And we as a church have not realized our job is not to tell them this is wrong and this is what our job is to tell them there is a God in heaven who can heal your broken heart. I don't know how the statistics is today, but they say that over 80% of people in prison, what they have in common is they had no father. Okay? And we think, uh, you, know, man, you know, many people, they grown up with four different fathers because their mother have had, or whatever. Where everything is, the problem with, if you grow up without a father, you grow up without an identity. Do you understand? You know, the father is the one who gives you your name. That's your identity. The thing is that if you don't have an identity, you lose your self-respect. The problem is that if you lose your self-respect, you lose your respect for others. Okay? So, so, he's, so he's here to heal the brokenhearted. Not here to tell them this is what is what. No, but what we've been very good at as a church, which I think we need to change, we've been very good at telling people, uh, at pointing out the fruits of the brokenhearted and say it's sin or it's wrong. I was just thinking the other day that... For example, one of the things that churches love to talk about is that homosexuality, for example. Okay? Now, we have to understand that many homosexuals, they will say, the church hates them. Do you understand? Now, if a homosexual have a problem, most likely they will not come to church. Why? Because they, we... You know, we, I, I was sitting under a preacher, he said, no, this, you know, he used any, any bad word you can use about it. And, uh, and he quoted the word. But now you have to understand is that we are still commanded to love the person. Homosexual or non-homosexual. No, if a person is homosexual, it does not give us a license to not like them. Or not to bless them. You can disagree with their life choice. Do you understand that? But that person, Jesus still died for. We still have to love. You know, the greatest example we see on things like that is when Jesus hung on the cross. You have the Pharisees cursing him. They have humiliated him. No, he, he, he was hung there naked. He was not covered up at all. He was completely humiliated. And if you read Psalm 22 about the... That, you know, he, every bone was out of joint. And, uh, you know, he was... I mean, he says, Father, forgive them. He was, I don't think he referred... You know, he loved the people. And, and we are bound to be the same thing. So, so the message of the gospel is, we have to preach the good news. That no matter what you have done, or whatever, what you think God hates with you, and so on, that's not true. God loves you. Amen? John 3.16, which everyone claims to, to, to know, but no one really believes. The Bible actually says that God, for God so loved the world. He didn't you know what he's referring to is the people in the world. Despite of what actions they had taken, despite of what decisions they had made, 
the person is still important to God. Amen? So, so, so he says here, so preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. To preach deliverance to the captives. You are called to be free. Amen? You are called to be free. You are called to be free. And you know, one of the wonderful things is that one of our tools to be free, he gave us the name of Jesus. He said, you know, uh, you know, have you ever thought about what does it mean that we got the name of Jesus? You know, even as I said, even the world knows there's power in that name. The Bible says that every name that it can be named shall bow its knees or shall be subjected, subjected to the name of Jesus. That means that name is the most powerful name. And he gave that name to you and me. Amen? Which means that when you use that name, what one of the things I realize, when I use the name of Jesus to pray, it is as if Jesus prayed himself. Amen? When you and I, we say, in the name of Jesus, it's no longer, it's like if Jesus said that prayer himself. Do you know that, imagine the circumstance you're facing, or the situation you're facing, or the challenge you're facing, and you say to it, in the name of Jesus. And you realize that when you say it like that, it's like as if Jesus said it. Many times I ask myself, if Jesus stood here physically and said it, would I think it will change? And I would say, yes. And then, then the Holy Spirit asked me, so why don't you think that when you say it in his name, it won't change? Do you know that his name and himself are the same? Amen? But if we don't know, the devil will use our ignorance to make us doubt our own words. Amen? You know, but if you, you can make it that as a Bible study through the book of Acts, that you see the early church, you know, the early church, they didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The early church didn't have the epistles of Paul. The early church didn't have anything apart from they have walked with Jesus. And what did we have? His name. If, if you read about a miracle, about a lame man, are you cold? Yeah. I'm sweating. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you, about the, the lame man outside the, the, the temple, Peter and John, what did we say? Silver and gold have we none, because we are prophets. No, that's not what we said. Okay. Silver and gold we have not, but what we have, we give unto you. And when he said, in the name of Jesus. Rise up. When we said in the name of Jesus. We learned something. When we got the name. It is as the person himself said it. And you know what? That name has been given to each one of us. Amen? Think about that. Think about I have been given the name of Jesus. Jesus even said, anything you ask in my name, the Father will give it unto you. Think about that. Do you think the Father in heaven would deny Jesus? 
Do you know, when you pray in the name of Jesus, he don't see you, he sees Jesus. Amen? And it's so important, but because we struggle with it many times, because we can't believe, can God really be that good? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. No, that's why, but, but the problem is not with the name. The problem is not with God. The challenge is with us. Because we find it hard to imagine. Have I really been given that name? And the Bible says, yes. The devil says, no, 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 no. Because, because the, the devil has turned the Bible into religion or to conducts. So, 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 so they say, like your righteousness or your right standing with God is depending on your behavior. Not, no. Your right standing with God is dependent upon Jesus. Amen? No, your children are not your children because of the way they behave. So today they behave, oh, that's my child. Tomorrow, no, 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 no. Okay? No. How did they become your children? By birth. How did you become a child of God? By birth. It can never change. Okay? And that's why in John 17, Jesus, remember, he, he, that's where he pray, he, he's praying. John 17. We can go there. John 17. And, uh, and let's just read from verse 1. It says, These words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you as you are given him power over all flesh. Now, just, uh, just think, God gave Jesus power over all flesh. That means God has given you power over all flesh. Amen? And so over all flesh, that, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Notice what he's saying here. I have glorified you on earth. I have now finished. I have finished the work. Think about it. Jesus has not been crucified yet. But here Jesus, he says... Father, I have finished the work that you have asked me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify you me with your own self, with the glory which I have with you before the world was. And then verse 6 says, this was the task, the work that God gave Jesus to do. This is why Jesus, if, like, like if the only purpose for Jesus was to die for our sin. He could have done that as a baby. Because he was sin free. Do you understand? He was sinless as a baby. So why was he around here for 30 plus years? 33 years they say in general. But why was he around? And he says in verse 6, I have manifested your Name unto men. Because, and this is one thing I, I got to think about today, that Jesus, 
he had to come down to earth to reveal to us that God is your father. Notice that it says, I have revealed your name. It's singular. I, used to be, I used to hear a teaching about God's names. You know, I mean, we say Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Rapha, and in the Old Testament. God only had one name. And that name is Father. Amen? Now, these names like that, Jehovah, Jireh, these are what God does. Amen? This is, no, you, your name is not your job, is it? That's your function. But it's not you. So Jesus came. So why was it so important? Because God, you know, you know why, why did he need to reveal that? Because God, if, if let's say Jesus had died on the cross, paid for our sin, God did not want to be known as God, like a distant deity. He, it was important for him that you and I knew him, we got to know him as family, as a father. That's why that, you know, the Pharisees, they, they got angry at Jesus because what did he do? He, call, he kept saying, my father in heaven. When the disciples in Matthew 6 asked, Jesus, teach us how to pray. What did he say? Our Father. The Pharisees did not, you know, the, the Pharisees, even today in the Orthodox Church, the Orthodox Jews, the name, no, they're not allowed, an Orthodox Jew is not allowed to say Yahweh or Jehovah. Do you understand? So when they're reading from the Torah, when the name God comes, they keep a silence. So everyone knows now this is where, but it's so holy. So you can imagine now, so, so, what, so what the Pharisees done is that distance is, distance is equal to uh, being pious, being holy. But where God says holiness is to be close. Amen? You know that, that before God was a distant God, there was no relationship, but Jesus came down and showed the Father's heart and said, I don't want you to know me for my function. I want you to know me for who I am. I'm not first and foremost your God. I am first and foremost your Father. Amen? Amen? Can you imagine that? You know, and like... And some people, you know, if it's not just the Jews, but even in what we can call charismatic circles, where, where we think people who preach about it, you know, not like you hear about it, how can you behave like this in the presence of God and so on. Do you know what? You talk, you talk distance. You know, with real Christianity is relationship. Can you imagine? You know, we don't even do it in our own families. Can you imagine? No, in the families, what do we do? We are ourselves. Hopefully. Are you not? Okay. You know, who cares about the hair is this way or the wig is turned upside down or, or whatever. You know, why? Because you are in safe surroundings. But we're thinking when it's Jesus, 
it naturally comes to us that <gasps> we become a little bit worried. Do you understand? We, we're so afraid of offending him. I'm telling you, Jesus is not that easily offended. Amen? He's not that easily offended. He died for you. And it's so important that it's out of that relationship revelation comes. It's out of that intimate relationship that you know him as a father revelation comes to the body of Christ. Amen? You know, there are people who know you at your work. And if I ask that person, do you know him or her? They will say, yes. But the truth of the matter is, they don't know you. Amen? They don't know you. They know your function. But they don't know you. And the thing is that in the Old Testament, that they knew God's functions. But they didn't know him. The Pharisees thought it was blasphemy to call him father. That's what made them angry. Because, no, it's God. Distant. But God, if you write from the book of Genesis, God never wanted to be distant with his people. Do you know, I, I don't know, the Bible doesn't say it, but I, I believe that when God came down every evening, Adam and Eve called God for father. I believe that because what happened when, when they ate of the food was that God lost his family, his children. Do you understand? And so, so, so Jesus, he didn't come down. So, 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 Jesus, so God did not just want people entering the kingdom of God. He wanted people to enter in the kingdom of God, knowing that not only are you citizens in this kingdom, you are children. You are my children in my kingdom. You know, that's the difference. It's the difference from being the citizen in a country and then be the children of the one who is in charge in that country. Amen? And that's where God wants you and me. That's where God wants... You know, and that's why Jesus, he came around... You know, he, 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 he had to make such a big emphasis upon and say, God is good. Why? Because the religious people, they portrayed a God that was at best neutral. What I mean by neutral is that if you did good, you get blessed. If you did bad, you get cursed. So he's neutral. Unemotional. But Jesus said, no, he is always on your side. One of the words we, that is translated into English but it's the word, you know, sometimes the word grace is translated favor. Do you know, we have been given favor. That's not fair, is it? You know, you know fair is that if you come to the queue, and the queue is 20 people in front of you, and you wait some, as 10, 21 until it's your turn, that's fair. Grace is that you know the one who who owns the shop, and they ask you to jump the queue. That's not fair. That's favor. Amen? You know what? You and I will never get what we deserve. We will always receive grace. Amen? We will always receive grace. 
They will always receive mercy. Why? Because he's good. And that's where we need to turn around and say, you know, this happens to me because I did this, and this happened to me. No. This happens, and these things have gained more and more influence over you because you believe it. But if I can change your belief, then God will turn it around for your favor. But the devil uses religion to make us think, oh, you just reap what you're sown and so on. But if the truth of the matter is, if that was the case, all of us would have been destroyed a long time ago. Do you know, what our foundation, as I said before, like with the, soul, Roman, with the full arm of God, as we stand on, the, our standing is on the gospel. The good news, that's our foundation. What is, what, what is your theological foundation? That God is good. But maybe we should add a little bit more to that. Maybe we should start saying, what is your theological foundation? That God is good to me. Amen? That God is good to me. Have you noticed it's not difficult to say to another person that God loves you? It's easy. It's much harder to say to oneself. Amen? It's harder to say... You know, have noticed it's easier to have it's easier to have faith for someone else when you come into the same situation, you find it hard. Do you know why? Because it's based on this thing that we don't have a struggle in tell, uh, telling someone else that God loves them. But we very often struggle with that that God loves me. But you but what we have to be established in that God loves you just as much as you think he loves someone else. Amen? Can you, you know, every time you have a situation, every time you have doubt about prayers that you feel has not been answered, the only question you need to ask yourself about, does God love me? Does God love me? And you know what, if you don't know answer, call someone and ask them, does God love me? Amen? And if the answer, and hopefully the answer is yes, when you can be confident in that your answer is uh, your prayer is answered, Amen. That your prayer is answered. Yeah, but I don't see it. We not moved by what we see. We move by what we believe. Do you know what? It's so funny that you know even main spiritual people they move by physical evidence. Even when you know, like when when I start to get a little bit into hearing about deliverance, you know, demon possessed or demon op- oppressed people and so on. There was this teaching of going around where before you cast out the demon, you have to ask the demon its name. You know, because Jesus, he said, what is your name? And the demon said, we are legion. Okay, that's why I was based upon. And it became, when, when I look back at it, it becomes actually very amusing because like, so he say, in the name of Jesus, what's your name? And the spirit say, my name is the spirit of lie. Okay, you spirit of lie, come out. I mean, we say afterwards, you spirit of lie, are you still there? And the spirit said, no. (laughs) Okay. And then people say, oh, you're free, you're free. Okay. When I look back, you know, I, I hope all these. All these things is under the blood of Jesus when I get to heaven. Because I'm telling you, I will be so embarrassed 
to see all the, what I call, spiritual gymnastics we have done uh, all over the years and thinking now we are really doing it. But the thing is that the, our evidence is the Word of God, not what you feel. Some people say, are you, are, you, know, you might feel scared, but if the devil asks you, are you scared, you say no. Even if your hair stands out and your wig is up here, okay, you just say no. Because your evidence is not in front of you, the evidence is in the Word of God. What is your evidence in this case? No weapon formed, me, for, uh, formed against me shall prosper. Amen? He's not giving me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. If you feel down, say, I've been given this spirit of joy. Yeah, but you can't laugh on command. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. How? Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha. See, I get some of you to laugh already. You can laugh on command. But we, we, we think, no, no, I have to feel happy. No, no, you make yourself happy. Amen? How do you make yourself happy? Look in the mirror. Amen? You know, we, we, but we, we, we've been slaves to our emotions. We don't need to be slaves to our emotions. We are bond servants to God. You know, but you, as, I, as I taught you last Sunday about, if you have nothing else to say, just say thank you. Amen? If you feel you, everything is going upside down towards you, you can always say thank you. Amen? Uh, yeah, but yeah, th- what can I say thank you for? You can say thank you, but you can breathe. Yes. Amen? Yeah. Oh, nothing to be grateful about. Oh, you can ask your breath to disappear. <laughs> At least you'll stop complaining then. And you'll look peaceful. <laughs> you know, you all, but, uh, but, but it's just the trigger point. Once you start that lifestyle of saying thank you, you will see things disappearing. But what, we, what religion have done is that it has turned complaining, murmuring, unhappiness, and called it prayer. And have you noticed when we pray like that, we don't get any happier? Uh, I don't. When I, I know I, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to us, because what I'm telling you, I've I, I done exactly the same. I got the same flesh, I heard the same religious up uh, there. It's tempting to, oh God, or whatever. It, can you imagine your daughter, a son comes to you, oh dad. I said, what's going on with him? <laughs> what's going on with me? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, oh, oh, what is for dinner tonight? <laughs> what's wrong? If, if that was Matthew, I would say, Yen, where did we go wrong here? <laughs> I said, oh, we don't say, oh, wow, this is my child. She's really, oh, if we did that in, can you imagine you out shopping, your children are with you, and they say, oh, can I have this? Say, Tell them, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> it would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? But we, why do we think that with our Heavenly Father? But the more, oh, see, I always thought, what does God think when we speak King James to him? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> How did you? No, you know, God is looking for a family. That's why I come to manifest your name. That's Father. Amen? You know what? 
Have you ever thought about what does it mean when God says, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Have you ever thought about that? You know, I used to be taught that it's the old covenant and the new covenant. But, but as we can see in life, covenants can be broken. Have you noticed that? You know, people can get married, people get divorced, people sign a business contract, a uh, country betrays another country, and so on and so forth. Okay? But when Jesus says, I, can never, I will never leave you nor forsake you, why, do you know the only relationship that, is, that can never be broken, that will never change, no, time will never change it, is the father or parent-child relationship. It can never, no, nothing can change it. You know, when you were five years old, it was your parents, it was your dad. When he's seven years old, it's your dad. When he's 30 years old, it's your dad or mom or parent. When they die, it's still your dad. Have you noticed it? So if you understand this family thing, now you can understand why, what Jesus is saying. But you, we all know people who got married and they got divorced. We all know. Yeah, this it I do and so on and so forth. So it can't be this. So if we say we have a covenant with Jesus, because of where we, there will still be able to, the devil will still be able to sow a doubt into our mind that maybe God, if I just do something so bad. But that's what God is saying is, I'm your father. You know, you can become 90 years old, and I'm telling you, if your parents are still alive, you will still be a baby. Okay? I remember in the early years, when I, when I went home to, when I came here, and when I went home, or, or when I studied and came home, no, it, it didn't matter if I put on weight. It didn't matter. When my mom saw me, I was all, I have always lost weight. <laughs> no, the, the moment you come into the house, it doesn't matter what age you are, you have a baby. And there was a, you have seen, I, I, when I saw Lester Sumwall in, in, in the 90s, he was talking about his two sons. He was, oh, he was 80 plus, 84. He was talking about his two sons, like, like if they were teenagers at best. When you see at the front row, they were 60 plus. <laughs> but he was talking to them like if they were small boys. Why? Because a father, and you know that that's the relationship you and I have with Jesus. And when you start seeing that, you can with confidence say to that issue, in the name of Jesus, go. Why? Because you know he will back every word you're saying. You now have faith in the name. Now you have faith in what you are saying. Because you realize my, my authority does not lie in my behavior. It lies in my relationship. And when I realize that that relationship can never be broken. Can you imagine the faith that will start to rise up in your heart? Think about God. Will, it, it, it's not your boss who says you have a, a job for life. It's the almighty God who is your father who says... I am always with you. Amen? Amen? Think about that. You know, you know, that's the gospel. That's, that's what creates faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing from the word of God. 
You know, can you imagine? Think about it. You know, you should meditate on this on your own. Think about your almighty God. He's, he will always be with you. Do you know, that's why Daniel, when they told Daniel in, in the book of Daniel that he, could, he should stop praying to his God, but he knew his God. So he went home, opened the windows and prayed even louder. He, he knew that his God would never leave him nor forsake him. Do you know that God, you know, we, 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 but we, religion tells us that, and that it's down to our behavior. No, it's not. It's not down to your behavior. God does not just hug you when you're clean. Amen? If, I know that, you know, like, uh, I remember, I can't remember if it was Matthew or Hannah, when we were small, we were away with some trip, and when we came back, I could smell them before we came around the corner. But because of, you know, that's not what you, but it doesn't matter. Do you understand? But we're thinking that we can only be accepted by God at our best. No. Because Jesus made, was made the worst so that anyone will be accepted with open arms. Luke 15, remember the prodigal son? You know, in your Bible, if it says the prodigal son, uh, uh, wipe that out and say the loving father. Do you know that the prodigal son, he came back smelling of pigs. A pig. I don't know, this is the worst thing you can smell of, is, is a pig farm. And, but there's something even worse than smelling of pig. is smelling of pig in the summer. <laughs> it's really, 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 you know, I, how do I know half of my family is pig farmers? Okay, this is where one of the things, like, I was supposed to celebrate, no, I celebrate, have a week's holiday with my uncle and auntie, they have a pig farm. An hour later, I called my parents to come and pick me up. I, I just couldn't stand the smell. I, 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 you know, I literally, uh, you know, when, when my uncle, he came into the slaughter with the pigs. And um, so we lived not far away, so he always dropped in at our house. You know what, I could smell his shoes because it was so bad. Now, that's, now, and now, oh, now you have to understand, for that father, pig was considered unclean. It was sin. You're not allowed to eat anything. And now that son, he not only smelled like one, he actually behaved like a pig too. How do I know? Because it says that he ate with the pigs. But what did the father do? He embraced him. Yes. Amen? Why? Because he was his. Amen? Amen? And that's you, that's me. That God will always embrace you. Not, not, on, not on after you clean yourself. No, Jesus took care of this. In Old Testament, you, can, you have a professional relationship to God. But in New Testament, you got a family relationship to God. Amen? And it's so important we remember that. Because if you always remember that... No matter what you do, no matter where you are, you can always have faith. You know, we all felt sometimes that, oh no, my faith is low. And if next time you feel like that, ask yourself a question, why do I feel my faith is low? And most likely, you will refer to an action. 
Okay? And then that's where you need to realize that's wrong thinking. I need to get this thing out of my head. My relationship with God is not based on my behavior. It's based on the cross, upon the blood of Jesus. You know, when we behave good, when we behave according to the word of God, we don't do that to receive approval from God. We do it because we already have it. Amen? We don't love to be loved. We love because we are already loved. We don't forgive to be forgiven. We forgive because we are already forgiven. Amen? But, but religion has turned it around. Oh, you can't, how can you pray for that? You did this, you did this, you did this. It's a, religion turns Christianity into a behavioral thing where how can you say you're a Christian if you do this? How can you say you're a Christian if you do that? No, you can be a Christian as long as you cried out to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need salvation. Forgive my sin. Now you are a Christian. Amen? Amen. Now, you know, there are many good behaving people who are not Christians. Do you understand? So, but does that mean that we as Christians shouldn't behave? No, of course not. Does that mean as a Christian, it doesn't matter what we do with the Word of God? No, of course not. I'm talking about why we're doing it. Amen? You know, we don't love because we have a command to love. We love because we are loved. When we see how loved we are, you cannot help loving others. We, don't, we are not nice to other people so that God can be nice to us. We are nice to other people because we have seen a father who loves us so much. So we can't help being nice. Do, do you understand the difference? But where religion has turned it around. Religion turns it into behavior. It's down to your conduct. No, it's down to his conduct. It's down to what Jesus has done. I mean, and this is why Jesus he says that, no, sorry, Jesus, Paul, he said, I only preach Christ crucified. Some people interpret that to say, oh, see how much he did for you on the cross. See, can you imagine the pain? And you can't even pull yourself together for one day. No, that's not, that's not what he means. When you keep the cross, seeing Jesus hanging on the cross, and say, he did that for me. Amen? No, Jesus, he was made the lowest of lowest of lowest of all mankind. You have to understand, all man's sin was laid upon him. That's, you know, have you ever thought about why does he shout out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know, but that was where he went through the same experience, really, as Adam did when he sinned. The only difference was Jesus didn't sin. Sin, he was made sin. Just like you and I, we, be, we are made righteous. Amen? Think about it. You are God's favorite child. Amen? Think about that. When you start seeing this thing, faith will never be a problem again. Now, have you ever, you know, we probably said it to ourselves, oh, I need more faith. No, you don't need more faith. You need more revelation of how loved you are. When you, when you see how loved you are, faith comes easy. Why? When you use the name of Jesus against this mountain, you believe it. What do you believe? But whatsoever you say, 
What do you believe? Whatever you say, you shall have it. Because you know who backs the word. Amen? That's you and me. That's why you, when you start seeing this, you, you, you will... It, but because of the devil, the way the devil tries to hinder it, he manipulates our emotions. He manipulates our circumstances. But I'm telling you, circumstances are temporary. Everything you feel is really big today, I'm telling you, next year at this time you won't even remember it. Amen? Don't let him distract you. Do you know, there have been times where I prayed, I said, I said to Jesus, I thank you, Jesus, I got it. And everything around me told me complete opposite. And I said, I, and I said thank you, I got it. And the devil said, no, you, got, you haven't got it. And I said, thank you, I got it. No, you haven't got it. Now, so who do I believe now? What is, when the devil says, what is your evidence? What, what the devil wants me to do is to look at my circumstances. But what the Holy Spirit wants me to do, look at the word. The word is your evidence. Amen? You might feel, you know, I have had pain in my body. And I say, thank you, Jesus, by your stripes, I have been healed. And I still feel the pain. And the devil says, you haven't got it. So, so in the early days, I didn't know how it worked. So I agreed with the devil. So what did I do? I prayed again. Thank you, Jesus, heal me. But you know what? A Christian, do not pray, Jesus, heal me. We pray... Thank you that you have healed me. Amen? A Christian does not ask, bless me, Jesus. A Christian says, thank you that I have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Where, where is that? In Ephesians 1. Amen? But you know what? That's why in Ephesians 1, the prayer in Ephesians 1, this is one of the most important prayers. Where the Apostle Paul prays over the church in Ephesus, he said, open my eyes. If I can't see it, the prayer is not, I haven't got it. No, the prayer should be, open my eyes. Can you see it? No. Can you see it? No. Keep asking him to open your eyes until you see it. Have you ever, you know, I, I just get this. I remember when my sister, she was a teenager and so on, and she had this boyfriend who was trying to impress her or something like that. So, now, I was eight years younger than her, and so this guy, you know, this was before all these things. So, so I remember I walked with him once, and so he was trying to impress her. He was trying to impress her with, you know, the star collections in, in, the, sky, in, in the sky. You know, the Carl's, you know, you know, the, you know the, all, the, all these, um, the, the lion and all these, what, what is it? Yeah, 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 constellations are. And when I was looking, I said, can you see it? I couldn't see a thing. <laughs> I could just see a lot of white. You know, he was pointing. I didn't even know where he was pointing. You know, I, for me, <laughs> I don't, but, but just because I couldn't see it, didn't mean that it wasn't there. Did you understand? I never understood why it was supposed to be romantic, <laughs> staring up in a dark sky with some light. <laughs> I never understood that. <laughs> Some of you. Did you do that, Jerry? <laughs> but, but I was oh. No, even in movies. Yeah. Yeah, when we're in love, we're looking at the stars. But so when he was saying this, I couldn't see it. 
but it didn't mean it wasn't there. Do you understand? The same thing is that when, for example, with, with your body, if it needs healing, if the body has symptoms or whatever it may be, you can apply this in any situation. But don't say, oh no, I haven't got it. If you can't see it. No, ask God. Open my eyes, because it's there. But I can't feel it. No, but then ask God so that you can see it. Remember, is it Elisha? When the army comes and his servant, he sees the army of the enemy, and Elijah, he said, he asks, open his eyes, open the eyes of the servant. And then the servant sees a whole host of angels. Okay? The angels were already there. The prophet have seen, knew. The servant didn't know. Amen? Do you know what is interesting? It's just something that I got now. Is that servants don't see. There's no revelation if you're a servant. Revelation are for children. Do you understand? That's why we are the children of God. Don't say to Jesus, I just want to serve you. Are you still a slave? I want to serve. Jesus said, I don't want you to serve. I want you to be. Amen? I want you to be. I don't want you. But it sounds so good. Everyone in church, I just want to serve Jesus. Wow, it's really sacrificial. Jesus is not looking for servants. God is not looking for servants. When God roamed around in the Garden of Eden, he was not looking for a servant. He was looking for a son. Amen? He was looking for a son. That's you and me. So now when you, if you get this foundation, faith will never be an issue. We, 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 we think faith is based on knowledge, no, Bible knowledge, so to speak, like if, what does the Bible say about this, and what does the Bible say about that, and what does the Bible say? That, that's how I, I, I used to think that, that it's based upon. No, faith is based upon the knowledge of Him. Amen? Faith is based upon that he is good. Many times, you don't, you don't, when the devil attacks you, attack you, you don't need to go into a theological discussion with him. Do you understand? All you need to know, he is with me, he loves me, and he will get me through. Not just surviving, but as more than a conqueror. Amen? You know, the devil will regret every single time he attacks you. Why? Because you will always come out stronger. Do you understand? Read Luke, when, 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 took, when, when the devil came and tempted Jesus in the desert, it says in the beginning of the chapter that he was led by the Spirit. When he came out of the desert, it says he came out in the power of the Spirit. Amen? You know, when, 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 you know, I always wondered, what would the devil have done if he had known what would happen on the cross? Now, the devil wants to kill him. But if the devil had known what the effect of the cross would have been, the devil would have killed everyone who tried to crucify Jesus. Okay? You know, but when he, he fought, he, got, he gained the upper hand when he, when he crucified Jesus. But you know what happened a few days later on the day of Pentecost? There was not just one Jesus. There was 120 the same spirit that was on him now suddenly was not just in one per- can you imagine a nightmare in hell now there's not one now there's 120 
And now, when a few days later, it was 3,000 more. And do you know what? The devil is limited. God is unlimited. Do you understand that? How do I know that? Because it says in Luke, also in the temptation, it says the devil came to an end of his temptations, of his trials. Do you know that when you feel you're under pressure, there's always a time limit for so that's why Galatians 6, 9 talks about that if we don't give up. Yes. If we don't quit. Do you know, it's like if you're entering a game, a basketball game. You have won even before you start. Why? How long is a basketball game? An hour? Okay. The game you enter in doesn't stop until you won. Amen? You might be 200 nil behind after an hour, but the referee says, which is, the judge says, which is your father in heaven, say, we carry on. Amen? You cannot lose. It's already decided. But the devil say, oh, you. No, he's a liar. You know, we need to realize he's a liar. And yet so many people believe him. Is the devil a liar? Yes. Why do you believe him then? Okay, I got a. Oh, see, if I wrote it down. This, what? What's that? It says here. Persistence or perseverance is greater than genius. No. If you don't quit, if you don't give up, you can never lose. Think about that. If you never quit, or if you never give up, you can never lose. I'm telling you, if you never quit, no matter how bad it looks, don't give up. Don't give up. Your emotion screams to you, don't give up. Just hold on to the fact, I know he loves me, but I don't feel he loves me. Love is not a feeling. The love that God has for you was a choice he made. Amen? Now, now you can understand more power in when Jesus he hung on the cross and said, it is finished. Nothing can take you out of the hands of God anymore. Amen? Now you could be born again. It is finished. The moment you got born again, that's it. Now you are no longer a victim. Now you are a conqueror. Yeah, but you don't know what I went through when I was young. No, maybe it was bad. But now God has given you the tools, the ability, the power, and the anointing to undo the damage that the devil did in your past. And he will make your future far outshine your past. Amen? You know that, I don't know if it's true, but this is again some of these things people say, but they say that when a bone is broken, when it grows together, it becomes stronger at that point. Okay? But because of, we, we, we don't, we, we, we are not secure in how loved we are. We don't boldly use the tools that we've been given. Okay? But when you start seeing it, you know, don't, don't look at faith as knowledge. Faith, uh, the faith that God talks about is the, the only thing you need to really believe. God loves me. So much. But he can never 
I will never let anything come my way that I cannot overcome. It's like what Jesse Duplantis he said. It should be like every time you wake up, the devil should scream. Ah! He's awake again! <laughs> okay? Do you know what? When, when, remember, I'll finish with this. Remember this? And this is again something that has been quoted wrongly. You know, that when, 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 Jesus, when Peter gets the revelation about who Jesus is, say, who do you say that I am? And say, you are the Christ. And when Jesus say, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know what? I, I was always taught uh, in your understanding, but when you, when you hear what I'm saying now, you see it doesn't make any sense what I've been taught. But I was always taught, so like if the devil attacks me, I can conquer. Do you understand? But when he says the gates of hell shall not prevail. That means it's me who goes and take. You know, no one hits you, attacks you with a gate, do we? <laughs> they do. No, they say, the gates of hell shall not prevail. You know, that means that whatever the devil has robbed, stolen, destroyed, perverted, you can gain it all back. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How do you know? Because I have a revelation. He loves me. You know, this is how it should be understood. Do you understand? Do you understand? You understand? You understand? Understand? Okay. You know, it's not the other way. It was like I was taught more like if the devil comes, I'm defensive. No. Do you know what? Do you know how you measure your faith level? When your faith loses its initiative or loses its, what you can say, aggressiveness, your faith level is low. Because faith always takes. Faith always initiates. Faith does not survive. Faith conquers. Amen? Now this is what conquers the world. I'm just quoting, you know, I'm paraphrasing now. Our faith. What is our faith? He loves me. It's not that, oh, you, you, you can't get healed because you don't know all the healing scriptures. No, no, no. I know people who know all the healing scriptures that have no faith. Because faith is, do I really know that he loves me? Amen? You know, but, I can't remember now. It's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Amen? And when you carry on quoting it, it's just amazing, isn't it? Even if you go through a valley of death, he will prepare a table in front of my enemies. Amen? You know, it's one thing to win. It's more, it's more exciting to win if the enemy is upset with you won. You know, you are called to a life more abundantly. And, and we are in a process of where we need to get rid of all these religious things because there's many things we do innocently but actually so a wrong image of who God is. No, like, like we're coming up to Christmas now. What happens now? Every Christian TV station you're looking at, you have crying babies asking for charity. Okay? 
you know, now, don't misunderstand me. I think, it, I think it's good to give, and I think we should give, and I think we will give, and you will be generous. But, now, have you ever seen a royalty beg? Have you ever seen Queen Elizabeth beg? Oh, dear subjects, we, we need some repairs to Buckingham Palace. And, and you know, my husband, the prince, he's a bit weak. He can't work too much. Could, could you please send a donation? It's for the kingdom's sake. <coughs> okay? That's begging. Do you know what? All what we call Christian charity, that's begging. And it's not, but if we believe, we start accepting it, it just so we can say one thing, with, he's the king, but in our action, we're still begging, like if we were presenting. No, kings don't beg. Amen? Kings give. But, so, uh, so that's where, like, uh, you know, one of the challenges is I ask God to give, give, give wisdom, because we need to so, uh, finance and support work, uh, the Christian work should not be based upon charity because it's not sufficient long term. Do you understand? No, like if you build a, a, a if you build a work on charity on donors in that sense, that work can only last as long as you are alive. Because those who donate most likely donate because they have a relationship to you. Okay? And, but, but the thing is, I, I had a conversation with, so, with this woman from Salvation Army. I said, you know, I know you do it out of a good heart and so on. But the only image you're really planting in the people is that God is a God of not enough. Because you're begging for money. And that's not worthy of a kingdom. But because we're so used to it. Okay. We, we think nothing of it. But what happens is that it puts something into our way unconsciously in how we see God. God does not beg. Amen? God does not beg. You, you don't see Jesus beg. Uh, Peter, could you go ahead into town? Because we, are a bit, we, we only got one piece of bread. And I'm a... Uh, uh, I don't know how to multiply bread without fish. So could you go and ask for a fish somewhere? Oh, he didn't send the disciples around at, at dinner time. Mm, it smells nice here. We're just in the neighborhood. Oh, we like come for dinner. Oh, yeah. And Jesus said, come on, old guys, free dinner. Okay? No, he's a king. There's always a... Did, did, no, when you read about Jesus, did you notice... He's a master of all situations. He's a master of all, you know, he didn't get seasick. Amen? Anyone get seasick? Say, no. If Jesus can't get seasick, how can I? You, he, he slipped in the boat. The problem is that I'm not too keen on fish. Does Jesus like fish? Yeah, Kurt, you should like fish too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, no, I a, but the thing is that he and, and like as he is, so are we in this world. Do you know what we are? Call, we are called to represent Jesus. Do you know that? No, but we cannot represent Jesus 
if we at least cannot do the same as he did. Do you understand? If I'm supposed to represent him, I'm supposed to be able to at least do what he, he did. Or else I'm not a good representative. You know, like, Jesus healed anyone who came to him, anyone who came to me, they got worse. That's not a good representative of Jesus. I'll finish with our poems, because it's very hot here. Yeah. And, uh, but the thing is that, remember when, when people came to Jesus and said, we want to see Jesus. And when Jesus gave him a farming lesson, unless a seed falls into the ground and die. Have you thought about it? Jesus, they want to see you, unless a seed falls into the ground and die. I'm so glad I was not around with Jesus. Yeah, I would walk around behind Jesus and say, what did he mean? I don't have a clue. <laughs> we want to see you, unless a seed falls into the ground and die. Okay? But what he was saying, but remember what he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you saw Je- so when you see Jesus, you saw the Father. So when the people came and said, we want to see you. And he said, what did he say? Unless a seed falls into the ground and die. What is he referring to? His crucifixion. He answered the question. But do you know who shows from Jesus? You and me. So when people see you, they should actually see Jesus. Amen? Unless a seed falls. So if I can't do at least. You know, but the thing is that he says, as he is. So think about as he is now in heaven, so are we in this world. Amen. Do you think Jesus ha- have uh, is ill in heaven? No, there's no sickness in heaven. I told you, you're all, all new nurses. You need to look for new vocation. You need to be retrained before you go home, because else you'll be on benefits. <laughs> no. But like, you know, man, if, if you are in lack, is there any lack in heaven? Now, this is your foundation. As he is. You know, even if he said, if, as he were, it would be amazing. What? If the Bible said, as he were, so are we in this world. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says, as he is. Now, we glorify Jesus. As he is in heaven, so are we in this world. I heard a testimony of a woman who, had, uh, who was diagnosed with breast cancer. And uh, so she went there, and because we have a Singapore, so everything is quick and efficient. So she went in the morning for an x-ray. And so she read this scripture. As he is, so are we in this world. And she said to herself, does Jesus have breast cancer? No. So I shouldn't have breast cancer. So she rebuked it in the name of Jesus. And then she, she insisted on going back the same day in the afternoon, took an x-ray, she was healed. Amen? And we say, wow, this is great faith. No, the only, the only faith she had, he loves me. Amen? And that's all you need. And if you need to tell yourself that 10,000 times, keep saying that. And suddenly, he said, he loves me. Jesus loves me. You might not feel a thing. Jesus loves me. Jesus. When you start keep saying it, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And you see, faith comes by hearing. 
and hearing by the word of God and suddenly know you can face anything and overcome it. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that open our eyes that we may see how great your love is for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.